Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Welcome to Cage Fighting. It's Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing good. Hi everyone, Matt Guy. Hope everyone's doing well this evening. Hello everyone, especially Todd for putting us through this. <laughs> yes, Todd, you owe us some, at least some beers, I think, for this shit show. But anyway, that's uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So, what a week it's been having to sit through Kill Chain and... <laughs> <laughs> The reason these were paired is because IMDb describes them both as action films. I, I, don't, I would argue they're barely films, let alone action films, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, let's jump straight into Kill Chain. I, I think we'll start with the, the most modern of the two. You have the eyes in the hands of a violent man. I know. Because I know violent men. Does a violent man really think he's going to find peace? If you need anything... Here all night? Uh, I was going to say dial zero zero. Yes, I am. I thought you were the clerk. Clerk. Bartender. Security guard. Owner. Kill chain. It is described on Wikipedia as a neo-noir action thriller film. It's not really neo-noir. There's not much action in it, and it's barely a film. The first 45 minutes of this film can be summed up in one sentence. Shit happens to people until we meet a woman in red, and then the woman in red meets Nick Cage, and then the story starts. That, that's basically the first 45 minutes of this film. And a lot of, a lot of explosions and uh, gunshots. Yeah, but they're all sort of superfluous to what happens until the very end. But anyway, let's get back to it and we'll we'll go right from the beginning. It, it feels very irrelevant, all of this. It's mostly <laughs> had just to get to the second half of the film, just to set the story straight right now. Set the scene. So the film starts off, it starts off with a flash forward where we're in Cage's hotel. There's no context, no meaning, no interest in any of this. <laughs> it starts a proper with a man with a big sniper rifle. We don't know who he's sniping on or why he's sniping on them. He sees a gun over the road pointed at him. He beckons a sex worker off the street in his paranoia and he gets her to help him. He sends her over the road. She gets killed by the other sniper. And then the other sniper, we find out his name is Sanchez. He kills her and then he kills our assassin. So we've just spent the first 15 minutes finding out about a man who then gets killed and zero interest again. Just nothing happens. Question one. Why does he make her take a top off and go to the window? Boobs? Yeah, well, boobs. I know boobs. He's, I mean, I'm happy with that answer. But <laughs> he's, like, he's, was there anything other than that? Than that? Was, was well, that to keep, the eye, to keep the eyes of the sniper um, fixed there? So I didn't really understand it. Maybe. I, I wonder if he was doing it so she thinks that she's there for sex reasons, not mm -hmm. to just look out the window. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's for her benefit because 
if he's a professional sniper over the road, I wouldn't think he would particularly care if she was topless or not. Mm. You are this right. Is one, this, is, this, is one of, this is one of many questions I have. More more to, to get it off my chest than anything. That I, that I want, want answers. I just need to talk about it. <laughs> it seemed an intriguing enough start. Because we get a bit of backstory on this character. We find out he's got a kid and he's doing this for her. And then they kill him. So I, I don't really know why they've done that. They've, they've pulled the rug out from us straight away. Like within mm-hmm. 10 minutes of the film. So fuck you, kill chain. <laughs> is how it starts. But then the film follows Sanchez. So the sniper's sniper. We're a third of the way into the film at this point as well. And literally fuck all's happened. The only character that we've met is dead, and we're now following his killer, <laughs> who is now immediately picked up by two police officers. When they're searching Sanchez, they discover crystals in his pocket. These police are corrupt. They knew that Sanchez had these crystals. Sanchez then tries to sow dissension, but then he gets killed by the white police officer. His name's Erickson. He then also kills the Hispanic policeman, and now we're following Erickson. Right. Where the fuck has this come from? So again, we get a little bit of character work on Sanchez. They off him, and we're following somebody else. It's, we've got it's, we've got no affinity to anybody, and they build up a little bit and kill him. It's all, it's almost the, like it's almost like a mythology series just mashed into a film. Yeah, yeah, but, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I did I did like this bit the bit in the car where he's using oh, using his, his, his body as a, as a shield. Mm. So that was really good. Yeah, like, like visually, it was decent, but from a storytelling point of view, it's very poor. Uh, so we had no real backstory on Sanchez, to be honest. We're with him for a few seconds before he gets off, to be perfectly honest. We've now hit the 40-minute mark in a 90-minute <laughs> And, like, it's taken us less than five minutes since we started recording this. We're almost halfway through. That's how bad it is. Uh, so we're now following a brand-new character that we only know him as a scummy cop. He's been on the screen for less than 10 minutes. Are we supposed to care what's happening? Like IMDb describes this as three strangers' lives are inevitably entangled in a conflict none of them are prepared for. We've met the old assassin, Sanchez Erickson. So we've met three characters. Uh, these are the three mentioned in the blurb. Their lives aren't entangled. They're literally separate but contiguous because they're in close proximity. And there's been zero interest. And where the fuck is Nick Cage? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the thing at this point. I mean, to use the word starring Nick Cage, they are bending the rules somewhat at this yeah. point. But the fact that he's in the first scene, I think, is how they probably justify it uh, before it's, we then cuts to these events. Um, it's like Drew Barrymore in Screaming. <laughs> I almost feel like if they, which they did sell this film on it being a Nick Cage film. If you look at the poster, it is just Cage. If they didn't have that scene at the very beginning, you would mm-hmm. assume he's picked up the wrong movie. Yeah, 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 exactly. We, yeah, we've got to this film now. We've, and this is the problem with um, often your characters with very little character development is that the deaths become meaningless. That we don't care for. We don't have an emotional interest in any of these characters at this point. And because we don't have an emotional interest, when they do start to pick into um, intrigue. We don't really care anyway, which is a bit of a sad thing. It's not until the second half of the of the film where we start to get anything that remotely uh, constitutes as a 
as a not a threat, but something that we care about happening to one of the characters. Do you yeah. think in that having the flash forward at the start was added later for that reason alone? That it was not a Nick Cage film because he's not in it until halfway through. Because he says at the start, I'll, I'll tell you a story, and obviously the story's not the story he's telling. No, exactly. That's what you you're made to think that the, all the, what you've been told, what you've been shown, is what he was saying. And then obviously it gets to the point that we're nearly at already. Yeah. But again, I I don't say enjoyed it, but I've never seen anything like this before. Probably for a reason because it's not very good. But yeah, I was right. I was at least at least it kept my interest because it was just so strange. Um, I know we're hot shotting around a little bit here. It was on my notes and I completely forgot to mention it. When we started watching this film and we saw the intro. Sam said to me, are you watching a film or are you watching something on Channel 5? <laughs> <laughs> and that summed it up because it didn't, it looks like something like Prison Break or something like that, the intro. It didn't have a motion picture feel to it at all. Yeah, it, it does have a break for a um, what, what would be a traditional TV show. So it stops, it has the music playing and shows clips from... Mm what we would associate with what you watch a TV show. It was very strange. Um, maybe it was meant to be a TV show. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, as I said, we were following Ericsson now. He gets shot by his Hispanic partner. He manages to get back to his hideout where he meets his girlfriend. Whilst they're hiding out, and this is the character name, the very bad woman turns up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that is an actual name in an actual fucking script. The very bad woman. He gives the new woman that we've met his what what we assume is his girlfriend. He gives her the diamonds and says that he will meet her at the hotel. She runs away. He dies. So we're now following a lady with less than two <laughs> minutes screen time that we're now supposed to be invested in. Can she I can I just say, can I say something, Andy? Sorry. Yeah. You know how the very bad woman's awful. Mm. You know, um, for anybody who listened to uh, last week's episode. Andy loved the protagonist. <laughs> I just want to put that out in the ether. Oh, fuck you, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please continue. Yeah. So she gets to the hotel. Finally, Nick Cage is here. 45 minutes into a 90-minute film. He's running the joint. I don't think he's wearing a wig, but his hair is so much thicker than like what we're, we're generally used to. He's had some work. So it's not quite wig wash at this point, but it's there's something going on there, I reckon. It's the opposite. It's beard watch. <laughs> beard bingo. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll get on to that in a bit because I've got a point about the beard to get to as well. Um, we get some conversation between Cage and the woman in red. That is also her name because she's now wearing a dress, even though she wasn't wearing a red dress when we first met her. She identifies Cage as a violent man due to the scars on his hands and neck. She seduces Cage. She confesses that she's doing this to get him to help her escape. The dialogue is so bad. It is like... <laughs> like do you know Edward G. Robinson, the movies from the 30s, where it's all like, you see what I'm saying here? See, it's like <laughs> that level of corny, <laughs> shitty... Like really subpar gangster movies from the thirties. Mm. Oh, it's shocking. We're gonna whack you guys. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. 
the very bad woman now turns up at the hotel. She's asking about the woman in red. Like, these names are fucking appalling. Then they might just call him Sally or whatever, you know. <laughs> Ugh, there's a fight. The very bad woman gets killed, as does her henchman. Before they go to dispose of the bodies, two other men turn up. This is from the very opening scene, so we've now gone full circle. The two men are there for Cage, though, not for the woman in red. It's payback from his violent history. Exposition, exposition, exposition. You know the um, the scene where uh, the woman in red stabs the very bad woman repeatedly, repeatedly? Mm. Nick Cage says something to her, like, I'm going to keep the diamonds and the money, and I know that you've got a roll of money in your bra or something like that. It was at this point I I checked out in terms of trying to keep up with um, a film as complicated as Tenet. I might have put it that way, <laughs> I want to stop that now. Um, I, I, kinda, I didn't really understand, because I, 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 and someone's going to need to explain the ending to me as well before, when, before, when we get to it. Um, it was at this point, really, that it's, it, it built a bit of intrigue. and thought, okay, so now something's happening. They're putting a bit of time into Nick Cage. They've, um, some of it, like his dialogue when he's in the, the bar, I thought was pretty good. And he's made himself quite a likeable, not likeable, but he's made himself an interesting character when he's talking to the sex worker outside. Um, and then, then he all of a sudden just becomes this weird action veteran hero, especially in the scene that you're, you're probably like discussing a second. Um, Really strange. It's, it's, it, at this point, lost me, unfortunately. He said he said that he, like, with a bit of the, the bra thing, that she didn't take her bra off when she was fucking him. That's mm. a curious move. And but <laughs> <laughs> you think, well, surely you'd know that she was hiding something. And he just seemed very strange. He seems a very strange man. Obviously, it's explained in a mini, but his history and that he's. Into some dodgy stuff, but it's a bit of a he's a bit of a simp for the woman in red, though, as well. Yeah, massively so. He seems to fall in love immediately, doesn't he? I mean, like fair play because she's stunning, but it's a bit weird. Yeah. And also, you know, in the the scene where she like, commandeers that guy's vehicle, and she's like, "You can look if you want," yeah. and then takes the wing mirror off him. What a tease! So Cage is an ex mercenary. He stole money from the bosses of the two guys who have just turned up. It gives a long-ass story on how he gets here. The story also included some of the characters that we've met throughout the film. So we get a little bit more backstory to Ericsson, the Hispanic cop. They were involved in the murder of his friend who owned the hotel, who he is now looking after the hotel. So that's why they're involved in it. The very bad woman was the pimp of the daughter, of this daughter as well. So that's how she gets involved. Even though I've seen this film twice, I still can't remember what the sniper at the beginning has got to do with any of this shit. He's just there, but for some reason... He was the one who burnt the um, the, the the kids alive? Ah, yes, that that was it, yeah. It, it just felt very tacked on, that bit, to be honest. And the other, the other sniper was the one who let him do it. <laughs> yeah, he watched him, didn't he? But that felt very tacked on to the rest of the story that was going on. As I said, it's just exposition heavy at this point, And it's, I don't know if I'd rather have just known nothing and had him as this enigmatic badass. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe, I don't know. When, the, when they started linking the things together, all that backstory nonsense, that's when I got started getting frustrated. Because I thought, 
when it was just when it didn't make any sense, when it was just a kill chain mm. from one one to the other, I thought, okay, fine, that's pretty cool. You don't need to know anything about them. Mm. But then it's always I've said things about like the um small galaxy of Star Wars, how the galaxy far, far away that's massive and yeah, everyone knows everyone all the time in nine different mm. films and Lando's always there. Why everyone would all knows these Lando. Exactly. Why would all these people know each other and be intertangled together when on this one night? It didn't make any sense. If you if you just had them as a, a chain of people that killed each other, and blah, and then you ended up at that point, that would have been more interesting because at least you could have made it up in your head and think, well, okay, why why did it happen? I and mean, you could question it then. But getting what we did was just wank. Mm. Yeah. So it turns out during Cage's convoluted backstory. It ties everybody into it, and it, it almost seems like he's the one who set the wheels in motion to get everybody killed. But how does he know that the old assassin is not going to kill Sanchez, that Sanchez is going to get killed by the cops? As I say, it's very convoluted. We then get a shootout. The two intruders get killed by Cage and the woman in red. And they're off. And that's the whole film. <laughs> like, literally that is it isn't it let's be honest there was very very little to it what, so I, I had it a look. 10 minutes yeah yeah roughly yeah. Um, so I had a look the budget is unknown <laughs> worldwide box office is $12,787 sorry $12,000 nearly 13 grand is what they made on this film oh, it's got to be a tax write off got to be because how on earth would you make a film that he's going to get that little. It was released at the tail end of last year. I Did think he get a cinematic release then? I think it may have gone to a few, so it would have been a limited release. Mm. But I think it was pretty much straight to DVD. 13 grand. <laughs> like, that, they'd have spent more than that on the hair dye for Nick Cage. Oh my God, that's incredible. It does make you wonder why they bothered. <laughs> so and the good to bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> The good, the bad, and the crazy. Uh, Stu, start us off. Premise wasn't bad. Like I just said, that the idea of link of unrelated people being linked because the one before had killed someone they knew. That was that's a pretty cool idea. If you if it was just left like it was, um, and some of the action was really well done as well. Like we said about the um, using the human shield and that whole bit with the car when. He um he gets he shoots his ankles out and it's the the body and not him, yeah. the cop. Thought that was a really clever scene. Um, yeah, there was a, from an action action film point of view, which this is not at all, other than there's guns. That was all. That was pretty impressive. If you really really wanted to turn your brain off, but there was just too much nonsense and not in a good way. It was just it was just like you said it was bo- yeah it was just too boring. You didn't care. It was just, it was just, well, if it's, if it hasn't even got a budget that anyone knows what it was, and it looks like it had a budget that no one knew what it was as well, and <laughs> well, the whole story about the, um, the, the, the first, the first sniper and his daughter and Cage then going to save her being super Cage at the end, and God, what just, if we get a sequel? I bet there will be. Oh, fuck you now. I don't know what's that. <laughs> It's just again a wasted opportunity, 
And the crazy is that stuck on beard, just because it was it was it was like it was like sticking. He's got a squirrel on his face. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, my good, it's ninety minutes. Like it's fairly, <laughs> it's fairly quick flowing to be honest. I would say that like obviously it's a B movie. There's no depth to it, so it just sort of flies through. I do feel like they missed the trick. It could have been edited down into something decent. They could have probably done like an hour long something of just get through it and tell a bit more of a story. But it was just the fact they kept pulling the rug from underneath us that really ruined it. I also thought this, the use of sound was terrible. It was really quiet and whispery one minute and then really shouty and shooty and it was just all over the place. I also found the colour palette all over the shop. I thought it was a really ugly film to watch. And my crazy, it's also going for the beard. My favourite bit of IMDb trivia. Nick Cage wanted a moustache for this role and not a beard. That's the uh, IMDb trivia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why didn't he have a moustache then? Maybe so was, that's mine. Maybe he was too attached to it from uh, Face Off. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, Matt, what about yourself? Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The the the, the good, um, like like Stuart um, said, the the action scene in the car, the shootout, I thought was was pretty well done. Um, the only probably the only bit of the film that drew me in, kind of uh, from an immersive point of view, because when he shot the ankles, I shouted out, I went, "That's the dead body! That's the dead body!" And I got really excited, and then. <laughs> I actually had a bit of payoff as well because that was right and I was right and I thought that's actually um that's actually you know it had me for a little bit. Mm. Um the bad would be the kind of yeah. Okay, spoiler alert for what we're about to discuss and for next. The the thing that's the worst about this film, it's the worst thing about this film. It's 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 not vanilla as in like the action or the gore or anything like that. It's so unoffensive. It just exists. It just exists. It's not bad enough that you can have a laugh with it. It's not good enough that you actually enjoy it. It just exists as a 90-minute block that you'll never get back. And that's, you know, I don't really enjoy that, really. I, I either want to watch something that's really terrible and you can have like you can just have a laugh as you go along with it. It's not that. It's not good to the point where you actually think, oh, I've seen something really interesting here. Um, and and, that's, and you know, that's the worst kind of shit film isn't it really the crazy um for me i don't know if you guys have seen this all i wanted this film to be was um get the gringo or i think it's how i spent my summer vacation like it's i I don't know which is the film title was one of the two um i just wanted it to be more like that like like exploring more nick cage in kind of um a south american country and and crime and cartel and stuff like that and he he didn't go down that route at all and i thought it would like with the little bit of write-up that i had about the film um it's just um it's just shit isn't it really (laughs) for want of a better word it's it i just like you said it's a wasted opportunity really i think what they uh, what i will say and it will lead us on to the question about um Nick Cage as an actor, I thought what he did with some of his dialogue was quite good. I thought he was quite entertaining and and, and funny in parts as well. Um, but as an overall piece, I, I wouldn't go say he was a highlight or anything like that. But as an overall piece, it, you know, just didn't click, did it? It's it's throwaway and not in a good way. That's absolutely fair. That is. 
so did you enjoy this film, Matt? I, I did in in a way, you know, like it's it's an actionish film. There's a bit of intrigue. I'll never watch it again at this point now because I've seen it and I know what happens now. I can't say I didn't enjoy it as a piece, but if the answer would be, would you recommend it to a friend? I'd probably say no, save your time, watch something else. It's not to say I didn't get pleasure out of it. Ask me this question once we've reviewed Left Behind. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I thought Cage saved this film. They pissed away 45 minutes. I almost felt like if they'd have done something a bit more with Nick Cage. I mean, they could have even turned it into like a four-part miniseries mm-hmm. and really yeah. padded out the story of Nick Cage because that was where the only intrigue was. What they gave was basically was a subpar three-act play. And the yeah. three acts were so loosely connected that it took some deus ex machina levels for the pieces to all fall into place at the very end. He tried to give us some kind of smart arse portmanteau of a movie and it, it failed. Like, like I say, like you said, Matt, it's not offensively bad, but I wouldn't watch it again either. Stu? Yeah. I, mean, uh, I, I just looked at my notes to see what I'd put and I'd We've put all one just word. Gone, yeah, at the beginning, because that's exactly the, the feeling it left you with. So, look. Uh, because I remember I only watched it a few days ago, so I didn't really make that many notes. And I thought, I just wonder if I've missed anything. And all I'd put in there was just shrug. <laughs> that's all I said. Because <laughs> that's, that's what it is. It's just not... It's a nice idea. It's it's Cage is pretty all right, isn't it? But it's just pointless because they just tack on nonsense for no reason. Mm. Rather than just going with the convictions and, and doing the whole kill chain. You don't have to link the chain together. That was that was my main part of it, but yeah, it, it was it was not was a nice way. It was I don't regret watching it because it was an it was an all right waste of airing off mm. on a on a Wednesday night after after watching a couple of games. But yeah, it was it was just very meh for me. I think that's the best way to put it. To be honest, it was just okay. So was Nick Cage good or bad in this movie? For me, I thought he was. On the side of good. He was the most interesting character in the whole film. There wasn't a lot of depth to the whole movie, let alone his character. But he was the most real feeling thing in it. So, nothing to go mad over. But, yeah, he was fine. Matt? The old Brexit vote. This is 52% in favour of good. (laughs) 48% in favour of uh, bad. Yeah, he he did enough to make this film entertaining in parts just watchable in others um he just about scraped over the line with that so for that reason he makes this film something that isn't the drizzling shits it's just a slight bit of shit (laughs) (laughs) terrible way to describe it but no for for the purposes of um, our almighty question is nick cage good or bad i'm saying good cool Stu. yeah clean sweep um same thing just on, just on the right. Actually, no, I'm saying just on the right. So because we've we've seen him in worse performances than this, which is telling, really. <laughs> but I thought he, he did a lot more than what he was given. He he he, he performed a lot better than what he was given, so to speak. So yeah, he was. Well, you about said he was the best thing about the film. 
he was in he was his character was interesting and he made it interesting and he, he actually showed a bit of range as well when they were sitting down and he was talking about how what the um his daughter and stuff like that oh that was a that was a pretty decent scene and yeah he, he gave a better performance than this film deserved yeah so yeah it's a yes for me perfectly put shoe so that is kill chain um <laughs> I'm really, really loath to say next up is Left Behind. Patty, this isn't about us. It's about the truth. We need to focus on the truth. The truth, Ray? Are you serious? Yes. This isn't about our past. It's about right now. What's happening on this plane right now? What could be happening everywhere, right now? So they're all in heaven. That's your conclusion. Without speaking to anyone outside of this plane, you're going to jump on the first explanation that pops into your head. Irene knew this was coming. In, in, in detail. How could that be possible? The way it happened. The way they disappeared. Even the way that the, the clothes were still there. Perfect detail. So, left behind, curtain up on a busy airport. The music is soft and saccharine. It is so made for TV movie. It's unbelievable. The camera work is light and airy. This is basically what I think the Americans call a lifetime movie. Mm, That's yeah. very much what it looks like straight away. Hallmark Channel. Yeah, Hallmark Channel. That's the one, yeah. Uh, so... This girl walks in who looks the spitting image of Marlene Ackerman. I literally thought it was her for, to start with. She walks on the plane whilst talking to her mother. She asks about her father's surprise party, but the mom tells her that he has left for the day. He's been called into work. Luckily for not Marlene Ackerman, her dad is a pilot. I did laugh when the camera cut to the family photo of Cage, not Marlene Ackerman, the mom and the brother. Like, Nicholas Cage has been airbrushed to fuck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really it awesome. looked nothing like him. It was almost like they've just got a picture of him from face off mid surgery and just put it in there. 2002's next big thing in Hollywood, Chad Michael McMurray, is being hounded for his autograph. He's obviously a big deal. By hounded, I mean. There was one guy asking for a selfie and his autograph. So I've got a quote here. From, you must feel like you've seen it all. You seem to be in the middle of a disaster every time I switch on the news. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Can I ask you a question, Mr. Williams? Do you read the Bible? <laughs> and then this woman goes into a fucking tirade of Bible verses about the end of the world as we know it. And not Marlene Ackerman is not putting up with any of that shit. She immediately steps in and tells her what Austin 316 has to say about it. I'm not sure if this like interaction was good or bad. Like we don't know who Michael McMurray is, and the Bible loving lady seems to hate his guts, like blaming him for natural disasters. Are we supposed to think he's a dick? Well, I'm a bit confused. Mm, I hey, didn't get that from it, but I just thought I... she was a lunatic. Yeah, yeah. I just became the thing was this film uh, before we get into it I feel proper hoodwinked by this film <laughs> because I had no idea it had these religious overtones until I started watching it because I didn't look I didn't do any so 
when she started going in, I thought alarm bell started flashing because she's got. Why is she so passionate about the fact that God allows all these things to happen? And I was like, like this. Are you make? Are you trying to make out that she's the bad person in this because she's just attacking somebody that has believes in God? I didn't. I didn't get it. And then a Then I thought, oh no, left behind isn't bloody left behind at an airport or left behind like lost this left behind is the bloody rapture isn't it and then yeah. it all... that was when the penny uh, when it sank oh, in for oh, me God. Yeah. yeah so we get a bit of sexy sax music cut to lady killer pilot nick cage getting close to nicky <laughs> whelan bosh nicky whelan fucking hell incredible when cage arrives inside the airport he sees his daughter who also sees him whilst he's flirting with Nicky Whelan. I think this must be when Nick Cage finally found Botox. Mm. Because, like, he smiles and his face does not move an inch. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. And again, like, wig watch, that's a very thick head of hair he's rocking in this film. Mm -hmm. Compared to where we were, like, I think this film's 2014. Around this time, he's got the, the widow's peak going full on at this point. So I think we've got a week on our hands here. <laughs> the conversation between Cage and not Marlene Ackerman, it is so vague. It's all, mom is so different. Cut her some slack. You've not been around. They're like skirting around what is actually happening. Didn't care for that. Just tell us. From what I can piece together, the mom has become a hardcore Christian at this point. But, like, just say it, because you haven't been in anything fucking else up until this point. So, yeah. just come on and, and get on with it. Yeah, like when he um, when he, he takes his rings off and puts it in his car. Yeah, but we use that for, uh, for Nicky Whelan. Well, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> if the shoe fits. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, we're on the plane now. Cage tells a terrible joke, and Nicky Whelan pisses herself. It is <laughs> She wants some cage in her life, obviously. No wonder he has decided to drop his family on his birthday. Back in the airport, McMurray and not Marlene Ackerman are talking more about people being obsessed with God. This is like, you just know at this point, it is going to be some full-on preachy bollocks, this is. And between the title and the first 14 minutes, like you, you just fully know that everyone is going to get wiped out apart from Cage and not Marlene Ackerman. I was assuming she will probably embrace God by the end of this film. And we'll get bright lights and a voiceover of Morgan Friedman. But that, that's well, what knew, I was expecting at this point. Well, we knew she was a wrong gun to begin with because she wanted tickets to go see you too. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a red flag right there, isn't it? It's, it's, it's huge. Check hard drive territory. <laughs> she, just, she just wanted a beautiful day. Ah, I like it. Well done, show it. <laughs> Nikki Whelan tells her flight attendant friend that she's trying to get some cage D when she gets to London. The abandoned family is making more and more sense at this point. Weirdo guy at the airport hands not Marlene Ackerman some U2 tickets for her dad. It turns out the cage dump in his family was two weeks planning. He knew he wasn't going to be there for his birthday. And the penny finally dropped for not Marlene Ackerman that he had no intention of being. She says goodbye to Chad Michael McMurray, who is coincidentally getting on the same flight as Cage. 
McMurray gets on the plane and he's allowed into the cockpit. Like, what the fuck? Has yeah, 9-11 not that. happened? Like, that was 2001. This is 2014. There is no way some rando dude is just going to rock up and walk straight in Strolled there. in, like... Yeah. VIP, VIP access all areas. Yeah. Again, very strange. So, yeah, McMurray gives Cage the U2 tickets. Not Marlene Ackerman returns home and talks to her mom. Oh, it took me to this point to realise who the mom was. It's Back to the Future. That it's Laurie, is it from Back to the Future? Mm. The mom from Back to the Future. Oh, it took me up until this point. I'm like, oh, shit, that's who it is. Like, grossly misunderused. But then, I mean, the whole film's a shit show anyway. So, <laughs> I suppose it's par for the course. So, not Marlene Ackerman and the mom immediately get into rapture talk. Each to their own. Believe what you want to believe. The atheist daughter comes across as an absolute asshole in here. And the two Christian ladies that we've seen have sounded like deluded fucking idiots. Like, everyone looks bad in this movie at this point. Mm -hmm. There's no one who's coming across looking relatively sane. And that's obviously not what they're going for. Not a good look. Aside, I enjoyed the interaction with the young girl and Martin Kleber on the plane. Martin Kleber's the the little person. So when (laughs) she says that her dad is injured and that he plays for the Jets... So Martin Kleber gets on his phone and he's putting a bet against the Jets. Mm-hmm. But I mean, let's be honest, you should put a bet against the Jets anyway because they are shit. Yeah, every week. Every fucking week. So not Marlene Ackerman takes her brother for a drive. More anti-religion stuff, like laying it on thick ass right now. This is the first time I checked my watch when I was watching it. There's still an hour and 20 minutes to go at this point. <laughs> it's a long fucking film. All of a sudden, people vanish. Seemingly mostly children and the odd adults. Because we've been smashed over the head about Christianity, like rapture, we know it's the rapture. It's not even subtle, is it? Let's be honest. It well. could have been interesting if. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it could have been interesting if there was a slight mystery to it. Mm. But they didn't give us that. Stu, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when, you said, when you said, how long did it take to figure it out? I thought I'd done well when when they've all disappeared, and I thought, hmm, that's a bit strange. Not knowing anything about the rapture or any religious nonsense whatsoever, or what the title even meant. And again, like Matt said, I don't look anything into it at all. We've seen like religious lunatics in films before, just for the sake of it, just for. I thought, well, she's just stepped into uh, just to say something there. And it never crossed my mind once that that's what this film was about until that moment where everyone disappeared. And then I thought, when I said to you, and you when I texted you and you said, oh, have you got it? I said, well, it's too obvious to be religion and it's too stupid to be aliens or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's that on the nose that it's so obvious. Yeah, they're, they're treating the audience like morons, I thought. They couldn't possibly tell a subtle story. It is so in your face that it's it's blatantly what's going on, and that ru- I mean that's how that ruins the rest of the film. It, it, it was never started off good anyway. <laughs> it just went downhill more and I've, more. I, I I have to ask this, um, and taking this to a rare serious turn in this podcast, which we don't do very often, is this film intentional in its fact that the people in the um, the first class areas that don't get taken by the rapture is a uh, a black woman, a 
a um, what I assume is an Arabic man, um, someone who is considered would be handicapped as mm-hmm. well. Are the are, are there tones here of heaven right. is a white pipe? Yeah. Like, like it's it, yeah. it, it, you know, there's, there's, there's racist overtones here, um, or am yeah. I am I reading too much into this? Not at all. I was going to come to that point, but I'll talk about it now. So it sort of seems like they're implying that one of the passengers to suggest that they pray to God in order to get the uh, the, the children or, or whoever back. He's got an accent. He's slightly olive skinned. Mm-hmm. He, I'm assuming like he's supposed to be a Muslim. I, I don't know. They don't go as far yeah. as naming them, but that is certainly the, the perception they're giving. He's obviously a man of faith. They, is this film trying to tell us that he's a man of the wrong faith? 100%, yeah. If they are, this film can fuck off. It is awful. This is that South Park episode where they all say um, who was right and they say, oh, it was the Mormons. <laughs> yeah, and that was exactly what I thought about when it, when it, this all started because you've got him because you got the prayer beads and he's got the the um I don't know the name the terms of the, the head thing and it was it was blatantly obvious mm. this is when I started looking at the film in a completely different way. Yeah, because I mean they'd obviously they'd already made the joke about a brown person being on a plane, and obviously the overtones that that has in America. Mm-hmm especially a few years prior to this. And they made the joke that it was an electric toothbrush in his bag and not a weapon of mass destruction. I mean, honestly, I think I'd have turned the film off, even knowing that we've got this to watch. I don't think I'd have been able to sit through it had it have been as overtly racist ass. Well, I think the, it, there, it there, one, could have been. there were one flaming queen away from the full sweep of Viral Bashing... <laughs> who's going to hell do you know what i mean i'm surprised they didn't do that because they had they had the asian guy that that knows about technology do you know what i mean like i'm yeah, surprised I didn't, they, I didn't, that, yeah i'm surprised they didn't get him to try and fix someone's iphone or try and fix fix the black box or something do you know what i mean like yeah it, it, it's at this point i need to profane I, I need to put this out there now in all seriousness to anybody that's watching i'm an atheist so this kind of stuff I was born Catholic, or I'm born Catholic. I am raised raised as a Catholic, but I am an atheist. I've got no issue with like people following religion. I think that when it's when it's done correctly, it's to enhance, you know, to make life better for other people. That's absolutely fine. I've got no issue with it. But this is what this scene, once the the rapture had happened, is where this film turned into um, Christian propaganda as opposed to a film. And it re- and like I I don't get offended by anything. Like really, really don't get offended by anything. I found this film offensively, um, offensively religious propaganda to me, and it really, really I, I get angry just thinking about it. If I'm honest, mm. yeah, I completely agree. Uh, so the passengers on the plane, they're now screaming at the captain, like they were all there when the people vanished. I mean, I, I get they're confused and they're scared. Why the fuck are they looking to the pilot? <laughs> Did they think he made them vanish? Mob rules, though, isn't it? Like they all start rushing towards him, like that, that like in the Simpsons movie, like everyone like, <laughs> trying to get him to sort everything. Like, like they've hidden the, all the babies in the overhead lock, you know, overhead storage. Makes no sense. Doesn't at all. At this point, Cage tries to call his wife. The phone can't connect. Obviously, they, they don't tell us that she's vanished but we know she's vanished because she was a believer so she was obviously innocent in all this bollocks 
the worst <laughs> CGI plane crash ever happened <laughs> where the light aircraft comes down onto not Marlene Ackerman's car. It was laughably shit. That's probably it was the fucking highlight of this film as well. It was worse than some of the stuff on air crash investigation. <laughs> yeah, it <That's>, was. <laughs> or, uh, no, it's got a different name in America. Uh, Mayday. Um, and that's a Canadian TV show. But it bounces, it, the, the thing bounces. It, it, it should have shattered <laughs> into a million pieces. It was a shocker, it really was. Back onto the plane now. McMurray is documenting what happens with the disappearing people on the plane. It's taken 45 minutes, but I've only just realised he's supposed to be a reporter. I don't know if I've missed something or they just didn't tell us up until now. <laughs> but I didn't think that was very good story selling. We get a mid-air collision where one plane clips the plane of our heroes. There's no pilots in the other plane. They've been raptured. Throughout all this plane bollocks, we keep getting like five, ten interstitials of not Marlene Ackerman running around and then getting snapshots of looting, murdering, hospitals being full. They don't actually show us anything, but she becomes completely peripheral to the storyline now. Like This is mm-hmm. a bad, bad film, and it's... I don't think it knows what it is trying to do. I think it's just trying to tell us religion, religion, religion. It's not actually trying to tell a story any longer. Do, I think do, you go on, Stu. Sorry. I think you got the um, the the highlight that I actually noted down when she um, the comical way that she, she breaks the glass in the hospital to try and get in, <laughs> <laughs> and then like, crawls over what she's just broken and, and actually cuts her hand. Yeah. And this this is the the high detail that I've noted down about. <laughs> <laughs> it was that stupid. That's where we are. Jesus. <laughs> do we do we think that within five minutes of the rapture, the world descends into shit the way it does? Do you think this they did that well? So almost straight away, people start looting and and pillaging within five minutes. <laughs> like if they let, let's put the hypothetical hat on. Do you think that would happen? No. We're in France. <laughs> it, happens, it happens in France over everything, so I think I, it, I don't it, think it would. I mean, people no. are generally reasonable. You don't have to be a Christian to be a good human being. Like, in spite of what this film tells you, you're not a bad person if you don't believe in a particular version of a particular god. So you wouldn't immediately just start acting like a dick. Maybe that's just me, and I've got more faith in humanity than whoever the fuck made this shit film. Yeah, I've got no faith in it at all, but I don't think it'd be straight away. I think you'd give it a, a few days, then it'd start mm. kicking off. Yeah, but you can't tell me, Stu, the only reason we're not looting now is because Christians exist. And that's basically what this film is purporting. Well, who knows? Because they're, they're saying, like, like, you remove Christians and the world goes to shit. <laughs> that's what they're saying. I, I well, can't see that. It's just, pe- just if people just disappear, just just disappear next year. And you think, well, what's the point anymore? So at this point, not Marlene Ackerman visits a maternity ward. All the babies have vanished. We get a bit of exposition when a non-raptured patient tells her that all of the children across the world have has vanished. How the fuck does she know she's in hospital? <laughs> like, there was no TVs or anything in the section she was in. So how does she know that all of the children everywhere have gone? Well, this is this has got to be the biggest plot hole of the lot, is that these children are going to be of different faiths and mm. so 
if they're talking like original sin and, and all that kind of thing, and these 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 children haven't had a chance to sin, well, there's plenty of good, like you said, there's plenty of good non-Christians or Catholics, so it makes and no sense why. And there's plenty of shit kids as well. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Exactly. Mainly, mainly in cinemas with Andy, by the sounds of it. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't understand why all why all the children of um, why all the children went when some of them won't be Christian. But then all you know what I mean didn't didn't I think, I, I'm 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 trying to find I'm trying to find sense in this film which I should I think I, I think I it was just, it's just it's just innocence of youth I think that's all they're saying yeah, yeah. so the, the it's too complicated to say oh that's a Muslim child and that's a Sikh child or whatever it was just easy just to say yeah okay all the all the kids yeah I've got a note here Stu when we watch films you generally disengage and just go along for the ride have you figured it out yes you want it actually written in the notes. <laughs> There is no hole in the fuel tank on our plane. Not Marlene Ackerman returns home. It's empty. I mean, like, if this film wanted him to give a shit about anything, the mum should still have been there. Like, just because we know she's a bit of a bitch to her daughter and we know that she has done something to try and separate her family. Or not tried to do it, but her actions have caused separation in her family. They should have put her in, left her there behind. Just give me something. Mm. Nah, nah, not, not going to bother doesn't want to do anything too taxing on our pretty little brains, does it? <laughs> she manages to find her mom's phone. There's a voicemail from Cage. Not Marlene Ackerman believes she's listened to the demise of her father. She then sees a Bible, just as Cage sees that his now raptured co-pilot was due for Bible studies. Now they're figuring it out. <laughs> the scene in the plane, uh, so where the mother of the, the, the raptured child, where she loses her sheet. Somehow she's now got a gun. So, I mean, she must have picked it up from the, um, the, the the plain sheriff cop man. Bit weird how she's managed to fucking snaffle that away when she wasn't sass anywhere near the dude. But obviously she's now got this <laughs> and she's pointing it at everybody. So she starts to think that she is, the people on the plane have somehow made her daughter vanish into thin air whilst in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. She, she thinks it's her husband is involved. <laughs> she thinks it's a conspiracy. Her husband has made the fellow passengers vanish her daughter. Not even kidnap hey. and hide. Vanish her daughter while she was sat next to the fucker. Like, the, the tension is just non-existent in this point. And it should be. Because it's a woman who has lost her daughter who is being skittish. It should be a bit of what's going on. And there was just none of it. Mm. Like, it wasn't frenetic. And at this, I, I've, I mean, I'd already checked it anyway, but I just hadn't got a complete clue what the fuck was going on now. It was just, it was pieces happening around that had no real link to each other. It was appalling. Whoever wrote this should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> so the cokehead dude off the plane, he explains that it was the rapture. Sorry, not dude, girl. She explains that it was the rapture. Her accent might be the worst thing that, in this whole fucking film. Like, we've watched Captain Corelli's Mandolin and her English <laughs> accent was worse than Cage's alleged Italian. It was really bad. We then get a bit of dialogue between Cage and Nicky Whelan. Cage explains that it was the rapture and that they've all vanished to heaven. Cage, this isn't about us. It's about the truth. We need to focus on the truth. Whelan, the truth? Are you serious? Cage, this isn't about our past, it's about right now. 
what's happening on this plane right now? What could be happening everywhere right now? Weird. So they're in heaven. That's your conclusion. Without speaking to anyone outside of this plane, you're going to jump to the first explanation that pops into your head. Cage. Irene knew this was coming in detail. How could that be possible? The way it happened, the way they disappeared, the way their clothes were all still there, she knew in perfect detail. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Like, it needs to be punchy, it needs to be snappy. Fair enough, if you wanted to butt heads over it, great stuff. But it, they just didn't. It was two people talking at cross purposes. Like, they could have been having two separate conversations for all the, the, the tension they put into the movie at this point. Not Marlene Ackerman then talks to a pastor. He wasn't raptured because it wasn't enough. He was always at church spreading the word of God, but you need to believe in the words. What? I, I, mm. So he was a pastor who didn't actually believe, so he wasn't saved, even though he was spreading the word, which I'm pretty sure is one of the tenets of uh, faith. I'm confused. Doesn't matter. I wonder if all the kiddie fiddling priests, I wonder if they all fucked off to heaven because they believed. I'd like to have explored that a bit more, maybe. You know, they were, they were all inside the kids at the time, so they got a free ride. <laughs> they got taken with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <clears throat> Not Marlene Ackerman gets very angry and points out that God is a shit who killed lots of people. And Pastor says, you just need to ask for forgiveness. They're making the rules up as to go along here, aren't they? <laughs> Andy, I have a question for you. Yeah. Does Velosa Pasta survive the rapture? <laughs> he turns badass. Like I, I think Oh, he does kill when he's a, a Velociraptor though, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and to be fair, like dinosaurs don't exist, do they? Of course. The world's, the world's 4,000 years old and dinosaurs don't exist, so I, I think he'd be left behind. I enjoyed our um, our little podcast. It was good while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> before, before the most hated family in America tried to hunt us down or whatever. Oh, yeah. So Cage now finds out that they can't land in New York. They're fucked. But Pilot Cage basically says, fuck it, I'm landing regardless. Not Marlene Ackerman somehow climbs to the top of the bridge at this point. We get some god-awful CG of like green screen bollocks where she's on top of this bridge, <laughs> about to jump to her death. But then she pulls out a necklace with the fish on. Is she into God now? And then she leans forward, about to jump, but her phone rings. It's Pilot <laughs> He tells her that he may die as there's no fuel and no landing space anyway. She manages to find a landing strip in the middle of fucking nowhere. But if the plane was flying blind, they would be literally landing in the dark. She manages to set off an explosion. This is convoluted as fuck. We see from the cockpit the New York skyline. Like, it's fucking bright this is. But they somehow managed to see a bonfire. Like out of the distance, just absolute bollocks. They land relatively safely. They turn and look to New York, which is literally on fire. It's been less than 12 hours. The end. So, yeah, 12 hours, the world's fucked. They're still there from Diod 2, clearly. The, uh, clearly, yeah. Like the runway. IMDb, <sighs> the fan score on IMDb was a 3.1, which is generous. 
the Metacritic was a 12. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes fan score was a 38%. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score was a 1%. This film got higher than Grand Isle. No, don't yep. do this. Yep. So Not one like critic gave it a positive review. Diana Sagner, I, I, I might be pronouncing that wrong. She says, a great cast delivers high drama in this action thriller. I, I, looked, film? I know, yeah, yeah. I looked at some of her other reviews because, like, that stunned me. She almost gave Universal positive reviews, which makes me think she might be a bit of an idiot. The only <laughs> two negative reviews I could find, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Infi- uh, yeah, Infinity War. There was the only two that I could find. She did give Endgame five stars, but yeah, she, she did not like once upon a time can we get her on can we do everything in our power to get her on the show and (laughs) explain herself yeah shocking (sighs) that's unbelievable yeah so the budget was 16 million dollars i think that's quite a high budget for this film which doesn't really have many stars and has some terrible cg the box office return brace yourselves well, I, I can I can imagine this is going to be really high. Yeah. Because I can imagine I can imagine this has been absolutely lapped up overseas. I reckon they fucking loved it. Twenty-seven point four million dollars. Hmm. Not as much like, as I thought. It, it almost doubled its box office. So I checked out the budgets before I watched the film on this one. Like it, it felt like a TV movie. So for the fact that it was so expensive and it made so much I, I was quite stunned at it but then having seen the film they faith plus one it so if you've watched south park you will know that cartman starts a christian faith rock band <laughs> in order to sell a million records because he knows that if mm. you aim it at a certain demographic they will buy any old shit it doesn't need to be good it just needs to be quote unquote christian and that's exactly what this film was it was made to appeal to a specific group. Zero effort was put into this. And because they knew that, they didn't market it to anybody else. It was cynical. Mm. I thought it was insulting to non-Christians and Christians. Nobody looked good in this movie. No. But there we are. So the good, the bad and the crazy. Um, I'll start it. The good. Did you gentlemen see Nicky Whelan in this film? literally that's the best thing about it the bad right it was basically a two hour promo for Christ the acting (laughs) was at best terrible the CG wasn't used a lot but let's be honest what was used was the drizzling shits it was offensive they basically said if you're not Christian you're a bad human being and there is no way on earth that whatever fucking podunk town that they filmed in was supposed to be New York City it can fuck right off. Awful. And the crazy, it, it made no sense. So apparently 25% of the world's population vanished. The world would not immediately set itself on fire. Um, there's just no way that would happen. Like, let's be perfectly honest. The people who were left seemed to be the better people. The, the Christians that we met throughout this film were assholes. And that the kids were not good. They were annoying little fucks. So the ones who were left are the better people. 
we also know that all of the scientists would be left behind because I think it's something like 99% of scientists are atheist or at least agnostic. Pretty much definitely not, you know, of faith. So the world would be in a much better position. It would be the post-Thanos snap. The world would be better off. Matt, what's your good, bad and good? <laughs> <laughs> the good? Finally have a film to hate more than next. <laughs> um, yeah. literally, literally, that's it. Um, I didn't find anything about this film remotely enjoyable. You know how I said about um, Kill Chain is that it's not, it's not um, bad enough that it's too bad. It's not that you can have a laugh with it, and it's not good enough that you can you can praise it. This is so over the over the line bad, offensively bad that I can't have any fun with it either. Um, and I just, and I've just felt really passionate about it. Um, it's kind of religious propaganda, and it's and it's kind of well, I'm going to put down as racial overtones with it that the fact that the that black people, um, Asian people, Ar- Arabic people, anybody that's handicapped, anybody that's got drug issues, anybody that believes in science, none of these people are good people and they will be uh, subject to internal damnation on a, on a burning planet. Absolutely not. Go fuck yourself. That's not what religion's about. You know, I know a lot of people that are religious and they're not bad people, so I don't want this to come across as that. But this film can absolutely swivel on itself for that reason. Um, uh, I haven't even mentioned what my actual bad is. My, ba- <laughs> my bad the good. is yeah. My bad is that they they butcher my one of my favourite TV shows of all time and try to make it like Lost with the different personalities on board that plane that we see that we have a bit of interaction with. You have you have um, the reporter who's basically trying to be Jack. You have the Texan who's trying to be Sawyer. You have the old couple that's bloody Rose and Bernard. You've got the drugger used Charlie. You've got the Arabic guy that's Saeed. I could you just go on and on and on. The only person that there isn't there isn't a there isn't a vertically challenged person in Lost to my mem- to my memory. Um, that's the only person that's not in there. Well, we had Locke, who was a former um, wheelchair he, user. Yes. Yeah. So like he would be a disabled person. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. We probably are on on a bit of a, a Lost rant there i think yeah absolutely. and and that's absolutely not acceptable because lost it's not tv it is art and i won't have them riff it <laughs> off like that um and the crazy this this is the one thing that made me laugh in the film right so when um when she's trying to light up the runway for um for the plane she sees that there's ex- like gasoline or whatever there and she pours the the, the 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 petrol or the gasoline or whatever you want to call it and then proceeds to dance around in it and then put the lighter down on the floor next to her feet just drops the lighter as if it's like dead casual she would go up in flames mm-hmm. and <laughs> i just thought somebody has got to like have picked that up come on like it's just oh god it was so bad so bad like I love this podcast, I really do. But if I get put through something like that, I'll put the towel in. That's absolutely. Some, has anybody got some like either strong alcohol or Xanax or something? I need to lie down. <laughs> Stu, just want to finish us off here. You know, I'd rather finish you off than watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
all all that was missing was placards saying vote Trump 2020 and singing oh happy day. It was just bollocks. Well, it, the whole thing was bollocks, and it was it just wasn't fun. Even even though next really made me angry and and all that stuff because of the ending of it and none of it that made any sense. I'm still not. This is still not beating it because I don't know. I don't even know why. Because I, I just there's nothing to really say about it because it was just shit. It was just maybe because we're not. I mean, I suppose I identify as severe if you had to tick a box and for forms or whatever, but and not fully engaged in it all. So I don't really care about all the Christianity nonsense of it all. But when you delve deep into what was being said and what we said on air about who got chosen, it's very questionable. Yeah. So, so, I mean, the good, the fact that it wasn't very long, maybe. <laughs> um, the bad, it's just, it's just not a very good film. It's just not very well made, is it? When it, top, to, top to bottom, it's just not well made. It, it, no, any aspects, no, you are right. It's just not... Even that... So in the minute, this is one of the best games I've played for a long while. Um, everyone has gone to the Rapture on PS4 exclusive. Which I play. That's six hours long. That's better than this. That's you just wandering around the town. Funny what happened to everyone. But... I think if I didn't... If I'd have looked up what was going on beforehand... I probably would have just had it on in the background and played football manager and just blagged it. Because, you know, I could quite easily have done that and had a better time. Because it was just, it just not, there was nothing in it that screamed, watch me at all. It was, it was paid by numbers. And like we said, the Hallmark Channel and Lifestyle and all them kind of films, at least they're fun. Then they embrace the nonsense. I mean, the best part about this film was the, the saxophone music at the start. <laughs> And I actually got that, that, that kind of uh, jazz funk. I was into that. But her running around her running around the town like a shit Kate Bower, it's just just not on. Just not on. Very bad. So obviously we'll get on to the two questions. Did you enjoy this film? Like I, I thought I was gonna enjoy the craziness of this film. I thought this is gonna be a bit funny in a really bad kind of way. But it nosedived hard. It became so fucking preachy. The, the script was all over the shop. I felt like I was being called an arsehole pretty much throughout this whole film because I didn't believe in whatever version of whatever God these dipshits want me to believe in. This film can fuck off more than next. <laughs> like, the end of next was frustrating. The end of this was fucking insulting. It's like a hard fucking no, I did not enjoy this film. Stu? It's still going to take a lot to get me as angry as I got over next. But if you're rating it on enjoyment-wise, I still enjoyed that more than this. Even though I'm never going to watch either of them again. Mm. And so I just I didn't enjoy it just because it was shit. Yeah. And yes, Kim Bower, not Kate Bower, before anyone writes in. Matt. Stu, I don't think that that is going to be the talking points of this podcast. For some reason. Can we... Do we is, is Todd religious? Is this why he likes this film? No, no, he's not. He enjoys this film because it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, I really blame Todd for making us watch this mate. I say Todd made us. We were going to get to it at some point, so it's probably my fucking fault, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this podcast was your idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, in answer to your question, I don't want to get angry again, so no, I did not enjoy this film, Andy. Okay. So was Nick Cage in this film and this film alone, was he good or was he bad? Matt? <laughs> was he in this film? Like he's, he's, He could have been played by anybody. There's nothing Nick Cage about his performance. Um, I'm, I thought he was a Thunderbird because when he spoke, his mouth didn't move. Mm. He, he, just, he was very stoic and not in a, I'm the captain, I'm going to keep calm when everything's going to shit. He's just void of emotion because he's an adulterer and he's going to hell. Basically, as the uh, film would portray it. Um, no, I don't think he. He didn't do anything about it in this film to make it um, a memorable performance as a Nick Cage film. Mm, no, Stu. No, it it could have been deep faked and you'd have no difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Shit. Yeah. Just no. It wasn't a good performance at all. So according to IMDb trivia, Nick Cage did this as a favour to his brother, who's a priest. I'm guessing that Nick and Mark Coppola probably don't talk much because he did put, <laughs> he put zero fucking effort into this film. And I know last time when we spoke about Eight Millimeter, we said that like the films that week, the scripts didn't really help Cage. But let's be honest, he sat on his ass and dribbled out his lines. He was so disinterested in what he was doing in this whole film. It's a big fat no from me. He was definitely bad. So thank fuck that is out of the way. <laughs> Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CagefightingPod. <laughs> Drop us an email to CagefightingPod at gmail.com if you've got any questions, because next up is the question cast. If you've got anything you want to take to task, take us to task over on our opinions of these movies, drop them in an email. I'm guessing there are probably more than 240 characters if you do have any issues with what we said today. <laughs> so for this week, Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Let us pray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Hashtag pray for this podcast. And it's goodbye from me. And this week, more than ever, I really hope you watch these films. Because if we've got to suffer, I think you should too. <laughs> See you next week for the question cast. <laughs> some weeks it feels like we jump on a grenade so that people don't have to watch these films yeah i feel like my guts may have been blown out having watched this shit